The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here's Brandon. Welcome back to Old Space Show. I'm Brandon, and this is my companion returning to the show, Mr. Tony Schaub. Hey, excited, excited to talk Doctor Who this time around. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, time travel. It's Tony. Yeah, right? You know? Wibbly wobbly. Le- leaping time, <laughs> time and space. So this edition of Old Space Show will be exploring time and space with the adventures of Doctor Who in his seventh iteration, along with his companion Mel Bush in season 24, Sylvester McCoy's first year as a doctor. Today, we will be talking the first serial, Time, and the Ronnie. The Ronnie has returned after her last encounter with the Doctor with yet another malicious scientific scheme. Taking advantage of the post-regenerative trauma the recently regenerated and unstable Doctor is going through, the Ronnie hopes to achieve control of an approaching asteroid composed entirely of strange matter. Can the Doctor figure out that he is being used for the Ronnie's evil experiment? And what is behind the door that the Ronnie won't allow the Doctor past? All right, this is directed by Andrew Morgan. And written by Pip and Jane Baker, who had previously written Mark of the Ronnie, Terror of the Vervoids, and Ultimate Foe. This one stars Sylvester McCoy, Bonnie Langford, Kate O'Mara, Mark Greenstreet, Donald Pickering, Karen Clegg, Richard Gauntlet, Wanda Bentham, and John Segal. All right. So the uh, Morgan here who directs it, he uh, also does Remembrance of the Daleks next season and plays a tourist in Silver Nemesis Part 3. And he just loads of British TV to direct, uh, including EastEnders. And uh, one of our guest stars, Donald Pickering, who plays Bayes, the main uh, Lacertian, uh, he... Uh, had already appeared in Doctor Who twice uh, in the Keys of Marinus during the William Hartnell Doctor and the Faceless Ones during the second Doctor, Patrick Troughton. So he's no stranger to Who, which a lot of guest stars would, when you're on the show, I mean, when you have a show going for, this is its 24th season out of 26, you might pull in some old faces to play new roles. Uh, But before we dig into this episode, let's go back uh, between what happened at the end of season 23, the trial of the Time Lord, and season 24, because we have a change of doctor. Obviously, Tony's here and not Rachel, so we have changed the doctor. Uh, we have uh, Colin Baker. The legend has it that so season 23 was made to, as a prove it ground for Doctor Who. While not really proving it, they allowed him to keep the show, but told John Nathan Turner, the showrunner, that he had to can Colin Baker and get someone else. 
Yeah, kind of a kind of a bummer. I mean, like I I know it. You know, that's it seems so commonplace to us now. But thinking, mm-hmm. I mean, thinking back that this is only the sixth time in a twenty plus season series that this had happened, and you know, by and large, for the most part, most of the other uh, times that the Doctor had regenerated had been. I mean, they they weren't all planned, but it was one of those things where you could kind of feel it coming. This one, I felt like you didn't necessarily, including Colin Baker, mm-hmm. didn't feel it coming. Right. Yeah. I mean, before the the reason we have different doctors, the first doctor was kind of pushed out or encouraged to leave at the time. He was uh, becoming difficult to work with. They were writing episodes, writing him out of episodes. Uh, specifically, people were having trouble with him. Um but Patrick Troughton said, I'm done. John Pertwee said, I'm done. Tom Baker said, I'm done. And Peter Davison all said, I'm done. Colin Baker is the one person I think cast as a doctor, at least initially, coming in as a fan and also said that he was hoping that he would beat Tom Baker's run as the longest tenured doctor. And I think that probably jinxed him a bit. I could see that, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I I believe if I'm recalling correctly too, at the end of that 23rd season, he wanted when when they uh, when it did finally come around to him being uh, like you said, uh, kind of pushed out of the way and you know making mm-hmm. room for someone new. I believe you know they invited him back to do his regeneration mm-hmm. scene at the yep. start of Time in the Ronnie, and he said. Uh, I only am going to come back if you give me a, a full season to say goodbye. And they're right. like, oh, well, that's not going to be a thing. So, okay. So this is one of the rare episodes where I believe Sylvester gets to play yes. two doctors technically. Cause when they, you know, initially he's on, you know, they get, they get buffeted around in the, in the TARDIS in the opening mm-hmm. scene, he falls over the console and then ends face down. And then as the regeneration starts is when he is pushed onto his back and the facial regeneration immediately starts right. and he's got the blonde wig on and you can't tell it's Sylvester under there, but it is Sylvester playing both parts as he you right. know, moves through the regenerative process. So one of those weird little tidbits of trivia that Sylvester gets to technically play the sixth and seventh doctor very, very briefly. <laughs> right. Very briefly. Yeah. He, so yeah, you're right. No, that uh, Colin Baker did, the reason he wanted to do a full season is because if he just did the one episode or they, they actually, they did negotiate that maybe we could just do a serial and he would change at the end of time of the Ronnie and he wouldn't do that either because if he were to do one serial, he was pretty much out of a job for a year, uh, the way he was talking about it. So it would... He wouldn't be able to talk about it, but he would be contracted to Doctor Who for the year and be hard because a lot. It's weird back then; like word travels differently, things work differently, and in the British BBC studios, they'd be like, "Oh, Colin Baker's with Doctor Who. We can't take him right now." To it would keep him from other jobs, even though he knew he was going to need another job. Uh, and yeah, he wouldn't come back just to do the regeneration. I don't blame Colin Baker and. I have to say kudos to him because he has been nothing but a, a joy for fans. He's never he's never held, he's not he hasn't pulled a Christopher Eccleston how he had been with Doctor Who. Colin instantly sure. would go, he went back to do stage play performances, he did conventions, uh he came back for Dimensions and Time. Uh he's he's always he's been the big finish doctor. I know people will say Paul McGann's the big finish doctor, but Colin Baker has like recorded so much and become people's favorite doctor through his big finish um, 
recordings, uh, which he just you know loves doing. And he's you know if you listen to like those Planet Earth shows, he is the voice of that a lot of the times too. Um, but yeah, that's what happens. So they they have to can him. But this this season, season twenty four, while if you ask me of my least favorite seasons of Doctor Who, this one's going to come up. But I also consider it a complete miracle. It works as it well as it does because <laughs> I get they, that. they had eight weeks from telling Colin Baker he was gone to needing a show out like or something because they had eight weeks to go and they had one episode script called Strange Matter. One episode, not the serial, just one episode. It was completed and commissioned and then Bonnie Lankford and No Doctor. That's what they yeah. had. And then John Nathan Turner wants Sylvester McCoy. BBC's like, well, why don't you have him audition along with other people? So he had four actors audition, three completely wrong for the role, and he knew it on purpose to make Sylvester look good. And he auditioned with um, Janet Fielding, who played Tegan during the uh, uh, Peter Davison era. And so... McCoy gets the part, and then they shoot 14 episodes in 32 days. It's Just crazy. With, yeah. Some with them, no script. Like, the first script written that knew Sylvester McCoy was the doctor was Delta and the Bannerman. Like, these first two stories we're going to talk about, one was written for Colin Baker and makeshifted on the fly, and the other was we just generic doctor. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, with this, this was kind of you know this obviously this this is the the last of the of, of the few classic Doctor Who you know seasons that mm-hmm. kind of signaled the beginning of the end. I you know I feel like maybe the writing was on the wall at this point already in the mid '80s, but they were you know mm-hmm. bravely kind of trudging on, doing what they thought they could. And I mean, you can't fault like you said, you can't fault the cast, the staff, like, I mean, Sylvester was amazing. Bonnie, you know, she was, a, she was a great companion through, you know, she, I think she helped the transition of this regeneration mm-hmm. more so than maybe any other companion. Um, I mean, it was amazing what they did. And, and, you know, just like you said, in the, in the time frame they had, I mean, I mean, can yeah. you imagine showing up to work and not knowing, you know, necessarily what you're doing from day to day? It's like, you know, trying to, trying to drive mm-hmm. a bus when the wheels are literally falling off. So yeah, yeah. I mean, all, all power to them. And I mean, this is a huge, it's, it's an interesting thought because this is like you said, even though it's not the best, maybe thematically or the, or the most enjoyable part of the classic series, mm-hmm. this is definitely a bridge that because they put in the work and the effort now, it allowed Dr. Who to keep going even on to the present day as mm-hmm. we know it now. Yeah. So. You know, 100% because they had the right idea here and uh, you know, Bonnie, Bonnie Langford consummate pro, like, cause I, I know she's got a lot of crap, like, because Mel, not the deepest of characters, a lot of scream stuff, but... She's a screamer. <laughs> I, she came, she did... I mean, she was in a tumultuous time and just sh- sh- no no sweat off her back. Like, she she comes in, she does her thing, and I, I think her, her fashion throughout this inspires animated characters uh, that I've seen <laughs> throughout her tenure at Doctor Who. I'm like, oh, is that like Strawberry Shortcake? Is that April <laughs> O'Neil? Like, there's there's a lot of fun stuff with her um, through that. But um, you also bring in, I think John Nathan Turner here does something perfectly, which he wanted to do with Colin Baker, but it was too kind of similar at the time. But they overhaul this. like, And while it may not work right here, 
Uh, I do know one of our, when I announced that this was going to be a series, one of the listeners said this is his favorite season and said it was because it felt fresh again. And I get that. Like, because they have yeah. overhauled it. The The theme music is way new. Uh, yep. the, the idea is different. Like, it, you have a whole different vibe. It's a new doctor. It almost feels like it could be a new showrunner, too. But the sure. they have a new script editor, Andrew Cartmel. And Pip and Jane Baker write this story because they were previously contracted to do a story. But the rest of the way through the McCoy era, it's all new writers and only writers focused on this. Yeah, I think they, like you said, they were definitely, they were committed to kind of had that, kind of had that vibe of that go big or go home mentality, even Mm -hmm. if they were doing a lot of it on the fly. Like you said, a brand new, you know, the theme song was brand new, done all, you know, done all uh, digitally, I believe, you know, with their, uh, uh, the the theme uh, opening mm-hmm. credits was yep. was the first time they had CG rendered anything. This is what 1987, I believe. I mean, yep. it's about as cutting edge as it gets. Yep. For the late 80s, using for the first time ever in a in this sci-fi show, uh, any sort of computer generated graphics. So yeah, they and were the prologue too has the CG yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they were throwing everything at the wall and hoping that hoping that the best stuff would stick. And you know, you can't, you definitely can't fault them for for trying to make it work instead right. of just kind of limping to the end. And you can only, you can't fault them for not having money. I mean, to compare it, look at this point in who, when you can say is like, I always, when it comes to like the, the a lot of the classic stuff with like film and stuff, I always try to put my, my mind in the mentality of when it was made and not go <laughs> old, you know, like, Oh, well that's pretty impressive for back then. Just, at this time though, Star Trek, the next generations on TV. So yeah. <laughs> right now you're like, yeah, they're doing what they can. And I think a problem too is they have switched. So in the previous season, they switched uh, to video all around, uh, especially the exteriors. And that's where it shows. And it looks sort of public accessy, kind of, but with like money or something. <laughs> and through the last, the last season did fine. This season... Not a lot of things are gonna like work because there's some sci-fi stuff that they're going for it, and hey, more power too. But it's not working. But there's one story in this season where they're gonna figure things out, and that's gonna help the rest of McCoy's era, and why I think season twenty-five and twenty-six are some of the best Doctor Who of all time um, that follow this. But that's because there's one story here. That, and I'm not saying because it's like good or something like that. It's just they seem to have figured it out with this video process and what they can and can't do and what actually works. And it will. And when we get to that story, I'll, I'll mention it. But it's not this one. <laughs> but um, <laughs> they will run with it. And the next two seasons, it's not going to feel wonky or weird at all. Like it's it right. wor- it, it works. But yeah, um, yeah. So and nope. all yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was, I was going to say this is this is definitely where you know, like you said, this is where I think the the show was kind of I don't I, I don't like to use the word saved, but you know, like you said, this is where it felt like the transition came from. Of hey, we're just a goofy sci-fi show, just kind of th- you know throwing an alien of the week at you versus. Mm-hmm. Here's some quality writing. You know, you think of, you know, these are thinker type stories where you can actually see some of these themes and some of the things that right. Doctor Who is now very famous for kind of set its roots during during this season in particular. Doctor Who's always kind of had that kind yeah. of edge to it, but this is where you definitely feel it. And I definitely 
uh, appreciate what you said about it feeling like public access with a little bit of money, because this is where, uh, you know, we, we spoke briefly about yep. this. This is where I discovered Doctor Who as a young, you know, when it was 87, I was, what, 9, 10 years old. I was watching Doctor Who mm -hmm. uh, Saturday night at 11 p.m. on PBS, you know, flipping through the channels and caught it. My first, you know, Sylvester is my first Doctor. I right. first started, started watching uh, Dragonfire, which I believe is the fourth serial of the yep. season. That's where I came on. And it was like, what is this? This is where I kind of discovered it. So, you know, you never forget your first Doctor. And that's... Right? That's why I, you know, I have all the all the love for, for Sylvester. But yeah, definitely, this is where uh, I agree with you. Where you feel a bit of that transition, laying that groundwork for the mm -hmm. bigger things that can come. Yeah, and I'm a guy. I'll, I'll admit, right? But I am a fan and love the super pretentious ghost light. I know that's a point of <laughs> controversy with people, but it works for me because they are going for something bigger, and it's one I can always revisit and find something new, and it makes my mind work. And that's what I love about Doctor Who a lot. There you go. You know, that's the I love the abstract ones, the the whatever is going on there. But um, one other thing that goes on in the background during this season is Bonnie Langford is was commissioned for two years, and so they're going to be trying to find a replacement throughout this season. There's touches in uh, the next, not this one, but the next three stories of like, mm, no, no, let's move on. Uh, move on like so that's kind of an odd thing we'll be talking about a little bit um also they while they they were keeping doctor who on the air they were there was pressure from the bbc like with negative reviews like anytime like langford or mccoy went on a show they would like a bbc talk show or something they would push at them these negative reviews and be like whoa it's like what are, are we we're supposed to be here to be promoting the show not tortured like the bbc kind of wanted it off but and they put sylvester up against coronation street which was huge like the biggest show uh to watch so like it's it's gonna fail and and there's um as we talk uh, season 22 is the current um blu-ray uh box set for the coup collection and they interview they have a one-on-one -on -one hour interview with michael grade the man who canceled doctor who uh during the um colin baker era to bring it back and then let it fade anyway but um he yeah he did not like doctor who and he was running the bbc at the time so that's where they're it's, at with this yeah it's one of those impossible just like putting it's like fox putting firefly on on friday night right like, yes you just, like you know it's not gonna work what are you doing here yes. so <laughs> put the third episode first yeah oh yeah, yeah, bye I... but yeah so um that's kind of what's going on here with this and it, this was this has the the McCoy era has been um, reappraised and retroactively, or just the fans got older and could write about things or go, hey, because it, during the time it was just, I think it was just considered garbage. But I'm like, I when I first went through it proper, I was like, there's some good stuff. Like this season wasn't my favorite to go through on it, um, although I've seen it multiple times. His era is so easy to watch. That's the one thing I'll tell you with McCoy: you can get through it fast. Of all the Doctor Who. Um, yeah, he's he's enjoyable to watch, even if there are. I mm -hmm. mean, it's the valid criticisms that at, at large stretches of time during some of these episodes, he's mm -hmm. doing nothing and he's he's being written to he's given nothing to work with. But right, you know, but he's still he's fun to watch. He's a very airy, breezy guy. I really do think too that in in the in the uh, current time, looking back and and in retrospective, I think it helps that Sylvester 
stayed a little bit in the um, in the pop culture scene. I think when he was cast mm-hmm. as uh, Radagast the Brown in, yep. uh, in, in Hobbit trilogy, I think people kind of found that new appreciation to go back and watch some of his old stuff. Like, oh, look, he's quirky now. He was quirky then. Like he like that's yeah. who he is. Right. Yeah. Like it kind of it kind of validated kind of his vibe a little bit i think yeah for sure yeah definitely and he'll be in the monsters coming soon the rob zombie film so that's right which he had a funny uh interview recently about that where he he said he was his uh like a daughter or granddaughter told him to do the movie and talked about rob zombie and he looked him up and he was like "Ooh!" and then he's like and then i go to the set in hungary him and his wife are like these really kind vegans and i was quite disappointed i wanted him to be you know Raw. and he was like Hello. he was like hi i'm rob how are you doing uh, <laughs> mr zombie's my dad you can call me rob <laughs> yeah so he's a funny, yeah he's a good cat uh sebastian mccoy um uh but yeah so uh, i guess without further ado we can get into his first serial uh they're gonna go yeah. f- f- it's the same 14 episode order as season 23 which went four 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 two with the serials, this one goes four four three three, and um, this is time of the Ronnie. This one's a four, and I'll say some of these McCoy era serials, you'll find the ones that are four probably could have been three, and some of the ones that are three probably could have used a fourth. It's Cart- you're not wrong. Yeah, Cartmill yeah. and crew, they tend to they have. There's a lot of plot in the Cartmill era, which is you, you read through things with Doctor Who and and you're what that you're like, there's a lot going on, man. Like, yeah. Cartmill was like into it, like he was the fresh voice the show needed. And but we start here with a Pip and Jane Baker uh, story that's very Pip and Jane Baker, which to their credit, they probably wrote Colin's Doctor the best. Um, but here they are, uh, McCoy. Um, it's another uh, it's a rock quarry episode. It's not. Doctor Who without a rock quarry, and this is a pretty, pretty sweet one. It's a pretty feels much deeper than others, and it's got that cool base that they have model work or something they 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 did with it, which is awesome. I think. Yeah, it was it was a nice blend of right because sometimes, like you said, with the rock quarry or you know, let's all shoot in one location episode, mm-hmm. like you like you feel like okay, they're in this corner, then they're in that corner, and there's nothing but that. So yeah, they did a good job of blending. There was a lot of interior shots of the laboratory as well. Uh, I feel like they did a fairly good job of of blending that all together. And the base was kind of the bridge, you know, when you went outside and you saw rocks, but then there were yeah. the big the dragon statues and things like that. Like, yeah, there was a, there was a nice, there was a nice blend there, which I appreciated. So, yeah, I, I also felt uh, similar to what you, I think are outlining that this yeah. could have been a, could have been a three episode or I, in fact, right. during my rewatch, Earlier this week, as I got into the third episode, I had to stop myself. I was like, is this the last piece of it? I'm like, no, there's more. Yeah. And I, you know, and I wondered it briefly. It, I'm, I'm sure it's not this way, but in briefly, it, a flash fell in my head. I'm like, maybe they extended this one to four because they had to shoehorn in all the talk of regeneration. And, yeah. uh, you know, I don't feel quite like myself and things like that, you know, without all that extra stuff uh, that that's putting the exposition that, Hey, we've got a new doctor in case you've been living under a rock for the last 23 years. Um, <laughs> you know, w- without that stuff, it might've right. been a three episode. Who knows? Yeah. We have, all, we, I mean, we have the, the Ronnie. So the Ronnie gets a hold of the doctor first and the Ronnie, he recognizes her. And then she like give, she knocks him out, gives him some amnesia stuff. And then she pretends she's Mel. And so we have two episodes of that. 
Like that's of all the things, right? <laughs> of all the things for the evil, diabolical mastermind, the Ronnie, to do. Uh, she has the entire space and time at her disposal, and all she wants to do is knock out the doctor and pretend to be his companion to get in his mind. Like that's right. just the most. I don't know if it's genius or just insanity. Probably a little bit of both, but mostly the latter. Yes. <laughs> so. And Kate O'Mara's great at this because she has that ability to play camp seriously, de- dive into it, but never go too far either way. She's never too overly dramatic and she's never too campy. Fits perfectly. And somebody um, on a bonus feature I was watching recently said she could have been a queen of B-movies had she wanted to. She would have just killed it. like Because um, she did star in some Hammer, a uh, handful of Hammer films back in the day too. Uh, but she was also in Dynasty, of course. This was one of her first things after leaving was coming back to Doctor Who. Um because she wanted to do something just that wasn't super serious drama and called up because she probably wasn't even involved in this episode when the script was commissioned and then came back. Um, luckily her creators, Pip and Jane Baker were writing her again, but yeah, so she's, she's here. And I think part of the, part of the reason this one doesn't warrant four episodes as well is it's too stationary to be four. Like it doesn't, yeah, it just sits in place. Um, and like there's a lot it's either outside right outside watching a whole lot of empty space and or in that same layer just walking around a you know console thing uh, right and but, i know they you know they 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 use the excuse of uh you know her uh the 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 ronnie using her technological prowess to pull the tardis out of its trajectory right. and you know slam it down onto the ground and and of course this is what preempts uh, a, a very, very thin, thin excuse for the doctor's regeneration as he flops across the console. And oops, I guess I hit my head too hard and it's time to regenerate. Well, they they now, kept so. the exercise bike in the background. <laughs> so it's like, did he fall off the exercise bike? <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. And McCoy's fun to watch because he's, you know, he's in Colin's costume for a bit of it uh, as he's figuring out, he's having the regeneration crisis, but in a much healthier way than we saw Colin Baker's doctor have it. He's not strangling people. He's just playing spoons and messing with his hat and stuff. Um, we do get to see uh, him try on outfits. That's always a, yes. a doctor thing. Like, what's he? We we all become fashion appreciators fashion, when, yeah. when a doctor who when a doc new doctor comes. You're like, oh, what are they going to wear? Yes, what are they going to Fashion dress up show. And they and they ran the gamut of of dur- during this little fashion scene from mm-hmm. from like goofy Napoleonic type stuff to I think at one point he was in an, he was in something that was. Very reminiscent, if not uh, Davidson's outfit. He was very yeah, yeah. reminiscent. He, he had, I think he said old hat, and he took it off real quick. So <laughs> right, he so he he wore the outfit, but with the cricket pads, like because uh, right. Davidson's was a cricket. He wore the Pertwee suit. Uh, he, I think he wore Tom Baker's, with, and then he came out in uh, Patrick Troughton when he was in the Abominable Snowman had this big coat, and that's when he opens that to reveal his. Uh, cardigan with the uh the question marks on because that's a John Nathan Turner thing. He always he wanted the question marks on. That is a the that is a that is a look. I've actually I've actually have that vest in my closet. I like I, it. I don't I know, know why the, I'm not wearing it right now. But <laughs> it, be, it like Colin Baker's coat. It's like, uh, but it becomes iconic. Like it becomes sure. it becomes that a lot wonderful. better. Yeah, and I tell you what, this episode too, this this serial rather, really, mm-hmm. I I know that um I know that Kate and and the Ronnie have been established before, and I really felt like they were gearing her up with this one, especially when she escapes at the end yeah. in her own TARDIS. Like I'm like, oh, she's gonna 
back and this is going to be like master level like content like greatest enemy she's done she's done she comes back one more time for dimensions and time but i I understand nobody wants to talk about it and i get it i get it you're right and she's been, you know, she's been in the tangential stuff. She's been mm-hmm. featured in some of the comic books, and she's been in a lot of the big finish. Uh, you know, I know after when when Kate unexpectedly uh, uh, passed away, they they uh, they they regenerated the Ronnie and brought her in with um, um, Siobhan Redmond mm-hmm. uh, with with Kate's kind of her agent and family's blessing. Right. Uh, you know, said you know she would have wanted this to keep going. So so the Ronnie continues to exist, but I really, especially with the new Doctor Who, yeah, how they, they bring never that brought her back. Yeah, again and again. I thought for sure we were going to see her. I would love to see her go up against some of our current. Like I would, I, I mean, it would be, it would have been amazing to see her, uh, her and Jody go head to head. Yeah, I mean, any, I mean, any of them. People uh, it, thought it, it, Missy it was great. going to be the Ronnie back when oh, yes. Capaldi. Um, yeah, there's two characters that people want back dearly. There's uh, Romana and the Ronnie, mm-hmm. and they've just, you know more power to them for. It. I mean, we're getting Tegan and Ace back in the fall. Uh, with Jody's finale, which is like, when you, when you think about it, it's like they really don't scratch that itch. They uh, with I monsters don't. they do, but with like old companions, they don't. And, and I wonder if that's I wonder if that's a you know because I mean they they tried it with 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 Sarah Jane obviously you know and then you know uh, this was about the, about around the time of the fiftieth special when she got to come back and K nine and like ooh yeah. and they like gave her they gave I think they got too excited and gave them their own spinoff and that didn't mm-hmm. work very well and it's like okay maybe we shouldn't do this so maybe they got a little gun shy after that but but yeah they could easily work to bring some of these people back I think yeah easily and I mean I I got giddy when you know Legend of the Sea Devils ended and then they had that trailer and I was like oh oh Tegan and Ace oh man <laughs> oh boy and it's funny. Yeah, you know, that's overshadowed with new who stuff, but Ace is relevant to this later on. But um just the the fact that there's all this stuff going on and it's overshadowed it feels like we're done, but with Jody's era, but we still have the final story and some of this could be a lot of flash about this new stuff to still keep secret what's going on in this because someone did mention, you know, if Chibnall's telling you Ace and Tegan are back for this finale. What isn't he telling you? Right. Yes. Chibnall's a mystery box guy. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, it, yeah, it feels like the opposite, to be honest. It feels mm-hmm. like the complete polar opposite of what happened here with Sylvester yeah. coming on like that. You know, like like that was an unknown. I mean, obviously the word got out eventually, but, you know, that was one of those like abrupt, like, crap, what do we do type of things. Now a days, you know, especially with with Jody and I know Capaldi previously, mm-hmm. there's like there's a big fanfare when when it went when it, you know, uh, obviously now it's like three years and the doctor calls it. But yeah, um, yeah, it's like a big it's like it's like the Michael Jordan retirement tour, right, where yep. you get one final lap to say goodbye to yeah. everybody and, and, and do the big stuff you've always wanted to do, which is the polar opposite of what happened here. Yeah, with, Sylvester. With, with six and seven. He, he said that he, you know, yeah, six gets fired and then seven, he would have done another season he said he's pretty certain that he would have done another season and then they would have been looking to replace him yeah. um i know they were going to switch over from ace to a diff- another companion during that next season in the plans but uh there are audios um from the scripts that were going to happen um that were around uh post uh mccoy's which i highly recommend checking out it's really neat i have most i've a lot of the Colin Baker ones from the season 23 that didn't get used. 
um, when they changed it to trial, but I haven't dabbled in the McCoy. I'm kind of slowly, I slowly work through. They're expensive, and I like to give them their money a big finish. So, Um, (laughs) but yeah, uh, but this one, yeah, we we hang around. There's the Kershans and the Tetraps, which are giant bats things, which they're they're Chuck E. Cheese animatronic looking monsters, which I like guy in costume. I sucker for it so it doesn't bother the cheese of it doesn't bother me sure. and you could tell they were trying different they're like let's let's put an eye on every part of their head front right. back side to side let's just give them eyes for mm-hmm. days and let's make them all move so <laughs> <laughs> and you know like the the kershans look like people cosplaying fraggles like that's pretty much <laughs> it's pretty accurate yeah i, but, I uh, <laughs> When you are 24 years into making sci-fi and you got to come up with new aliens and stuff, like, I mean, Sure, come I on. get it. There's only so much you do. I do appreciate, though, that when a Lucretian dies in in, the, in one of the Ronnie's traps and gets vaporized mm-hmm. and all that's left of their skeleton, there are still, like, sci-fi elements. It's not like, oh, mm-hmm. let's just throw the skeleton from the bio lab. Like, the skeleton right. has, like, a little bony tail. Right, yes, it. yes, yeah, yeah. The details. The, the, the details are still there, yes. Yes, yeah, um... Yeah, and there's the, I like the trap, the bubble trap thing. That that's I think that's kind of legit cool. And they actually redid the, uh, some of the effects on the uh, the the Blu-rays have extended versions of the episodes, which, oh, are, okay. which is cool. Um, because season twenty four has like six hours of raw studio footage. It's like wow. or maybe more. It's got an insane amount of just raw. Like you can watch the chefs in the kitchen cooking like you can literally watch <laughs> them because sh- they leave though they left those cameras just going and you can watch them having conversations about how to play a scene taking a break like all it, it's insane uh I love that. season 24 offers that um and so they're able to add scenes and stuff and find material they didn't use they didn't have before and extend the episode uh while updating effects um the ronnie her plot here so she's kidnapping she has Albert Einstein, uh, Hypatia, and Louis Pest- Louis Pasteur, and she needs a doctor because she's feeding this giant brain to produce a matter, a strange matter that will like knock the course of the asteroid that's going to hit Earth to extinguish the dinosaurs and change evolutions around the world. Like that's yeah, what. It's- it's kind of a it's kind of a hot mess, really. I mean, because yeah, <laughs> she's like the dinosaurs never had their chance. Uh, yeah, w- which is funny for for a time lord that ostensibly doesn't give a damn about Earth. She's like, mm-hmm. I don't care about that planet, and then she does all this, uh, and it's like, yeah. And then there's some other confusion about like if she, like the strange matter explosion, she's going to use the explosion to make the brain bigger, and then then when the brain gets bigger, then it can. Uh, then it can control all space and time, and she can rewrite any evolution to like. It's and it will destroy Lacertia, like right. Oh no, <laughs> we got to get this episode done, folks. That's what. Yeah, but you know, in all honesty, this plot was kind of hinted at in Mark of the Ronnie, maybe happy accident, but she had dinosaur embryos in her TARDIS in that one, so. Right. She's, just, she's just obsessed with dinos. She's a young Jurassic Park fan without right. even knowing it. So. Uh, but yeah, so that's what she's trying to do. She, she doesn't succeed, obviously. It has cliffhangers. I like to talk about those. Um, first one, Mel gets in a bubble, but luckily it hits the water and she doesn't die. Um, 
<laughs> Super convenient. Yeah, because the only other time you saw <laughs> it bounced around twice and literally exploded. Yeah. Like, ooh, that whoever's in a bubble is dead. And then Mel gets in there like, oh, well, who else is getting written off this episode? Right. <laughs> Cla- classic Mel screaming cliffhanger. Oh man, so uh, much screaming. <laughs> Uh, the Tetraps surround the doctor. He like runs away from the Ronnie after, you know, he figures she's not, uh, really Mel. And, um, he goes in this little dungeon that has him. And then, uh, the other one, the, uh, doctor's mind's being sucked for the brain. But the funny thing is, uh, the brain starts spouting out doctor one-liners, <laughs> which I, that, that's some good, that's some fun stuff. He turned the brain into like a dad brain, or yes, a dad jokes. <laughs> Just a giant dad brain. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, but yeah, um, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of yeah. It's just a lot of you know, Doctor Who, classic Doctor Who's a lot of um, they call like uh, out of corridor, running through corridors, things like that. Kind of has that though. There's no like not a lot of corridors. It's just like you're either in the Ronnie's main spot or you're outside. People running back and forth. TARDIS is there for a bit, which the McCoy era uh, doesn't show the TARDIS a lot. It's like TARDIS light. I believe like season 26 only shows it once. Yeah, um, I wonder if that was like a conscious choice or if they got some feedback and they're like, the, the doctor relies too much on his little, you know, magic outs of being yeah. in the TARDIS and having everything at his disposal. Just start uh, with them coming out. We don't need a right, turkey. Yeah, step on out, right. And I'm sure it was a budget-saving thing too that they don't have to show the inside mm-hmm. and you just step out of the... Of the of the of the cardboard box, but I mean, this whole serial technically they were there were two Tardises on this planet. The Ronnie right. has one, mm-hmm. and the Doctor has one, and they didn't do anything with their Tardis except for uh, when she had to go back to the to to, to the workshop and and cut herself a new piece of uh, uh, you know bio grade aluminum or whatever the special thing she needed. You know, she went to the laser and cut it square, and like now we're done here. It's like your Tardis has been devolved to a, 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 a high school workshop at this point. That's it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, she also they tried to do uh, when she went back when she was stuck with the tetraps. They tried to do her hanging upside down, but she was having some eye trouble, and they had to make her go right side up for that scene instead. The the plot that we mentioned just a second, I forgot to note that it is similar to Shada, uh, the Tom Baker story that never got finished but has been finished many times like it's uh there was a writer's strike at the end of uh, his uh season 17 and they were in the middle of filming shada uh they shut down and when season 18 picked up they just like ah, we're just shit can that uh some of the footage got used in the five doctors uh the footage was done with audio links in the past done with like pictures there's a paul mcgambers and and finally they animated it uh, like five or six years ago uh which is a really nice animation to watch and then they made it like movie length though it's like two and a half hours because it was been a six-part serial but luckily yeah. when the season 17 blu-ray came out they sectioned it off into episodes like humans That's watch wise. this because uh, i mean i'm glad that it got out there though i've got mm-hmm. the i have the novelization i mean it's a it, yeah. it's written by my it's favorite a cool author story Douglas Adams. yeah Douglas I mean, yeah, it's great, yeah that's a yeah it's a phenomenal story i'm glad it finally got out there i mean it stinks that it was interrupted by the strike to begin with but i'm glad that it's out there in different iterations now mm-hmm. it would have made that season a lot stronger too because that's a it's a weaker season but um yeah uh but um for sure uh the so at the end of this uh, they blow up the area or whatever the brain stuff, and Bayrus, the the main Lacertian, 
uh, sacrifice himself. Had Colin Baker got his been able to do one or been able to come back for do one serial, that would have been him, and that would have been where the regeneration happened. So they just subbed the sixth doctor for this Bayes guy to randomly sacrifice himself, but it would have been the sixth doctor sacrificing himself here and that sacrifice and explosion would have caused the regeneration and then we would have met Sylvester McCoy but he didn't come back so gotcha Bayes uh, from from start to finish in the serial Bayes is kind of a strange like he's the only Lacertian who's kind of Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't want to say he's in cahoots with the Ronnie, but he's like willingly going along, and it's never really given a, a solid explanation as why he's like, well, just because like she'll hurt me mm-hmm. or hurt more of us if I don't, and then at the end he's like, well, I'll just you know, I'll still save you anyways. It's a very strange. Like you could of of all the things they probably had to rewrite. Yeah, his arc probably felt the most shoehorned into. It's this like tale. it's like if Samuel L. Jackson and Django Unchained decided to have a change of heart in the finale and help out Django. <laughs> Like that's yeah. about where it gets like, wait, what? No, this guy was too far gone to. So, but yeah, uh, that's where it was. And as they, uh, as they leave, um, Mel's like, I don't, you know, you, this new you, he's like, I'll grow on you, Mel. I'll grow on you. I'll grow on you. <laughs> yes. And yeah, it's, it's as, and he'll have to grow. Cause I mean, Sylvester's finding his characters. I mean, this is such a hurry. He's there. I mean, they're just letting him do his stuff. And the, the director of this one is like, you know, um, the difference between working with him and Colin uh, has been like, Sylvester will improvise. Colin doesn't improvise too much. Um, yeah. And they were just letting Sylvester go and finding his character. And then it, it, it'll it be really, it's really magical when him and Cartmel get on the same, they're all on the same page. It's good stuff. Like, it's yeah. really special I mean, for the show. Uh, of all the strange vibes or whatever from this episode of the, of the awkward transition and the rush things and everything, mm-hmm. the, the one thing I think works, works really well in a backdoor, like, Oh, we didn't plan it, but that's a great kind of way is, is that part where he's like, well, I'll grow on you. I'm, you know, he's essentially saying, I'm still figuring it out too. Like of all the regenerations we've seen, this was the most, mm-hmm. I mean, if it's unplanned and you come back as someone completely different, like that's a central theme that they carry through even into modern who, right? like when the regenerations happen, like you don't know what's going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. obviously you could switch genders too. Like, you know, you have no idea what this looks like. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, that chaos is kind of exemplified in this episode. It was accidental because of what was going on behind the scenes, but I think it works very well in the larger mm-hmm. spectrum of Doctor Who's lore. Yeah, and the McCoy era informs the new series more than a lot of the other ones will because there's a lot yeah. of cues taken. There's some well the Jody era has picked up on some unfinished business that they were planning on doing in the McCoy era, which when people get on Chris Chibnall, I'm like, he knows his stuff, guys. He just might be into different eras than you are, but he, <laughs> yeah, he, know, he knows what he's doing. Um, and then the, the, the actually the TV movie does help the new series a lot too in ways of um, setting up how things could be and knowing what not to do. Like that's the importance of the TV movie, which is a part of the McCoy era because he got brought back for it. But sure. Uh, but yeah, do you got any more on time and the or time and the Ronnie? 
No, like I said, my biggest, my biggest takeaway is I still, I'll, I'll always keep my fingers crossed that maybe someday the Ronnie will come back in Mm -hmm. live action. Maybe, maybe someday. I don't know if, uh, you know, like I said, they, they think that she's too similar in stature to the master where they're both time Lords and they both hate the doctor and this, that, and the other, but Mm -hmm. I would love to, I'd love to see the Ronnie come back for sure. You can have more than one. You can have more than one. Uh, But okay. Well, Tony, it's time to reset the TARS coordinates and get us onto our next adventure in time and space. Till then, where can people keep up with you? Uh, You can keep up with me online. You can find me uh, at Tony Schaub on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. You can swing by sciencefiction.com where I'm the senior editor and you can uh, have a lively chat with me about all the ways that you think I'm wrong with all the uh, opinions that I share on that site. All right. Hashtag time and the brandy. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD. We're in work Why So Blue. There's more from the Brad Peters Show this week. You know, summer of 82 at 40 is in full swing. Keeping going. Hope you're enjoying it. Uh, chugging along. But from old space. Somewhere there's danger. Somewhere there's injustice. And somewhere else, the tea's getting cold. Come on, Brandon. We've got work to do. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.